Blog Talk Radio. And there arose a king in Egypt who knew not Yahweh. And the fear of the Hebrews fell upon the people of the land. So Pharaoh set taskmasters over the people of the land who laid heavy burdens on them which were bitter to bear. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Most High. And he heard them from beyond the everlasting hills. In time he raised up unto them a deliverer whose name was Mashah. And Mashah grew mighty and was taught in all the wisdom of Egypt. But he was a man who chose not to live out his days in the pleasures of Mizraim, and so answered the call of his destiny. And he came to the mountain of Alakim, which was called Horeb, where he saw a flame of fire burning around a bush, but the bush was not consumed. And the Moloch of the highest appeared to him and spoke from out of the midst of the fire, saying, I have seen the affliction of my people in Egypt and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now therefore I will send you unto Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Masha asked, when I come to the people and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say? Scriptures declare that Elohim said, Ahaya, Ashar, Ahaya. Meaning, I am that I am. I will be who I will be. He said, Moreover to him, Thou shalt you say to the children of Israel, Yahuwah, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob have sent me unto you. This is my name forever and my memorial unto all generations. And the children of Israel became vain in their imaginations and corrupt in all their ways so that they sought to replace the name of Yahuwah with the name of Adonai, meaning Lord. And many forgot his name and went after Baal, which also means the Lord. And from that time, many false names for our Creator have gone out into the world, following us into these last days and creating a controversy among the nations. Our Heavenly Father, who desires that his elect be not ignorant of his name, nor that we should be moved by the signs of the times, but that we should be steadfast in the truth, not wavering nor tossed and turned by the mouths of men. For some say that his name is Yahweh, while others say that it is Jehovah. Still others foolishly declare that it cannot be known. But we who are called and chosen have a sure word of revelation which has come down from the Father of light, who would not have his people to walk in darkness, for I declare that we are the children of light. For he has revealed through the Ruach. Take the original vowel sounds A and U, which are from the three pure vowel sounds which make up all the Semitic languages, and apply them to the four Hebrew letters 
Yod Hey Wahey, and the name of Yahuwah is revealed. Therefore, let the name of Yahuwah rise upon the islands of Indonesia and echo beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Let his magnificent name soar above the heights of the Himalayas, rest upon the shores of Sri Lanka. The voice of a messenger rides upon the clouds and races on the wings of the wind, saying, Send tidings of his name to them that dwell in Ghana. Let the name of Yahuwah shake the land of Africa. Clear his name in Zambia, Tanzania. Let it be shouted from Mozambique. Send messengers to sail across the Nile and awaken them that dwell in the Sudan. Let the name of Yahuwah invade the mountains of Afghanistan and rock the whole Middle East. Let his mighty name stretch forth with wings across Europe and Asia and cause them to tremble and sleep in China. Oh, let his name circle over the Atlantic, the Pacific, and all the oceans of the world to touch the shores of America. That his name might read from the peaks of the Appalachian Mountains to the end of the Rio Grande. Let his name extend out over the continental divide and journey down to field Brazil. Oh, let Yahuwah's elect publish his name in every nation and kingdom on the face of the earth. Let it be published in every country, in every city, and in every state. Yea, let it mount up and ride upon the wings of the eagles. Let it glide with the falcons, the hawks, and the crows. Let it reach up beyond the heights of the condors, that his name might touch the stars and fill the cosmos. Let the Malachim come down from the Shamayim. Let them ride upon the chariots of fire. Let them circle the cities. Let them stand upon the walls. Sound an alarm to the ends of the earth and lift up the trumpet to declare Yahuwah is mighty. Our king is strong. He has subdued the nations. He has crowned the sun. Let everything that has breath sing praises to his name. Let everything with breath praise the name of Yahuwah. Finally, when the end comes, when all things have been put under his feet, and all the nations have been gathered to meet in the city of gold, which is planted in paradise, we will all lift up together with one voice, magnify the name, of your poor forever. Shalom and Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to Talk, Teach, and Testify Radio. This is where we speak the unadulterated and the uncompromising word of truth. My name is Abed Yahu, or you can say Obadiah. I'm just a humble servant of Yahweh. He's our supreme Elohim, our master, our heavenly father. And I speak to you in the name of Yahusha HaMashiach, our elder brother, our eternal king and high priest our eternal Melchizedek or Melchizedek. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to apologize for yesterday. We were unable to uh, get the show in 
on yesterday pertaining to the pagan influence on the true calendar of creation, um, part two. Uh, we are doing a three-part series on that. So your brother will go ahead and give you a special bonus teaching on today, as well as tomorrow. So today and tomorrow, uh, we're going to be going over the pagan influence. Uh, you know, what did the Babylonians do? Uh, to the timetable of Yahweh. What did the Greeks and the Romans do? Uh, you know, what did the Jesuits, you know, what was their involvement? All of that will be taking place on today and tomorrow. Um, you might want to, uh, you know, log back in if you want to listen to the recordings. You can always go to www.blogtalkradio.com uh, for that. Type in Talk, Teach, and Testify Radio in the search engine, or you could just Google up, talk, teach, and testify radio. We do also have a Twitter and Facebook page as well, so that way you can go um, listen to the teachings in the archives. Also, they were individuals uh, who reached out to me, and they would like the notes. Uh, I'm still comprising many notes as I go along uh, with the teaching and the instructions, um, I'm looking through different books and different uh, documents, and there are things that I'm finding out more of, and then I add those or incorporate those into the lesson. You will be able to get those notes on tomorrow. Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, I will get those notes out to you tomorrow. Those of you who emailed me, I will be able to get those transcripts out to you. Uh, if you like, copies of the notes, please email me at talkteachtestify at gmail.com, talkteachtestify at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, just to uh, 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 let you know who was there speaking at the beginning of our broadcast, we always talk about Brother Bennett and his uh, his zeal and his excitement for the nation of Yashariel that we shall proclaim the name of Yahweh. Uh, I, I love to play that at the very beginning. Uh, it really, really, you know, get my my Ruach excited uh, for the teachings and the instructions of our Heavenly Father. So uh, I wanted to always play that at the beginning of our broadcast. Uh, today is Monday March the 30th, 2020, according to the man-made Jesuit Gregorian calendar. It is the 10th day or the 10th yum or the, of the first Kodush. Uh, when we say Kodush, we're not saying new moon. We are saying month, okay? Or whenever there is a uh, new month coming in, you can say Kodush. It comes from the Hebrew word Kadash. Please read that, look that up uh, in your uh, Strong's Concordance. Kadash means to renew or to restore or to reset. Okay, so uh, that's what Kadash means. Uh, and when we speak about Kodash, it is related to the new month, not new moon. Even the Jewish people would tell you Kodush means new, okay? But they were the ones that also pushed 
uh, the new month as well. Um, Kadash, you can look that up, Strong's Concordius H2318, um, and Kodash, uh, you know, Kodash relates to the new month, not new moon, okay, so we're going to uh, be talking about that in a moment, so please uh, keep that in mind, uh, so what happened on the 10th day of the first Kodush? Do anybody know? It's a very powerful um, passage of Scripture. Very important that we should know what took place on this day. Okay, well, uh, let's look at it. I'll read it, and then I'll go over some announcements, and then go deeper into the lesson. If you go to Uyaykara, the book of Leviticus, Chapter 23, let's go to that. Um, before I do that, forgive me, let's go to Shamut. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Okay, let's go to Shamut. Then we go to Uyaykara chapter 23. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23 lists all of the, what we call the Moedim. And all of the uh, the chakim or the, uh, you know, all of the feasts. So we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. But I just want to show you what happened on this day. Shamut, Exodus chapter 12. Verse 1 says, And Yahuwah spoke unto Masha, and a heron in the land of Mizraim, saying, This Kodash. That new moon, but this month shall be unto you the Rosh Kadashon, the beginning of months. It shall be the Rashan Kodash of the Shana or Hashanah to you. It's going to be the first month of the year to you. Verse 3, you Speak unto all the congregation of Yashariel, saying in the what? In the Hasor Yom. That means in the tenth day of this Kodash. They should take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house. Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You should take it out from the sheep or from the goat. You should keep it up until the 14th day of the same Kodash. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Yashariel shall kill it Beni Horebin. Beni Horebin means not in the evening, but rather between the evenings. Horeb is evening. Horebin is evenings. So it's plural. So it doesn't say the congregation shall kill it in the evenings. The word Beni means between. Strong's Concordius H996. So 
you shall kill it between the evening. You should take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. I want to stop here because there is a powerful revelation. This is a prophetic um, action that the nation of Yashariel is doing here. For those of you who have read, quote, unquote, people will say the New Testament, but we say the renewed covenant, you will read that Yahusha, when he came into Yerushalayim, he also came in on the 10th day. We read it and we call it the triumph entry when he came in to Yashariel. Go to, uh, if you want to do cross-reference, you could always go to Mediau, Matthew chapter number 21. The lamb, the Passover lamb, Yahusha, comes in and becomes a part of the family, comes into the household. Hallelujah. It was a, it was a prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, you will read, it says this in verse number nine. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Ushayahu, to the, to the son of Daud. Baruch is he that comes in the name of Yahweh, Ushana, in the highest. They were crying out unto Yahweh when this is Ushana. Ushana means please come and save us. They were crying out. You read it right here. In the multitudes that went before and that followed, cried, saying, Hushana, to the son of Deu. Some of you have heard the song, Hosanna, blessed be the rock of my salvation, right? And people are singing with excitement. These people cried out because the king came in. You can read it right there in verses 10 and 11. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Yahusha, the Nebai of Nazareth, of Galilee. Yahweh, or Yahusha, was the prophet that came from the Nazarene community that was in Galilee. There was not a such place as Nazareth. It was a place, however, where the Nazarene community lived at within Galilee. Okay, so that's what happened on this day, on the 10th day of the first Kodesh. Yahusha, the king and high priest, came into Jerusalem to fulfill what was done in the original covenant when Masha and Haran told all the congregation of Yashariel to bring in the lamb on the tenth day for it to be slaughtered 
four days later between the evenings. And we're going to go over that lesson, right? Um, over this weekend, we're going to be doing um, our Zoom broadcast. For those of you who would like to see the teaching, you can e- uh, email me at talkteachtestify.gmail.com, and we will get a link out to you. Uh, otherwise, we'll be doing a live broadcast through Talk, Teach, and Testify Radio on Friday evening at 8 o'clock. Hallelujah. So we'll be doing that as well. So you'll be able to listen to it if you are unable uh, to check it out through Zoom. We are still finding out what's in the air as far as us going to the congregation at Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I have to speak to our brother there um, and find out, at least by today, what's going to take place so that I can let everybody else know on the air on tomorrow. I will also do a uh, practice teaching, and I just want to speak to some of you. Um, I'll be doing, I'll be going on Zoom on Wednesday. Okay, so, so for some of you who would, um, you have questions or concerns, you can meet me through Zoom. Just email me at talkteachtestify.com, and I will send you a link, and that way you'll be able to join us at the appointed time. I'll make sure tomorrow not only will I announce the particular time that we will meet, but also during the email that I will send back to you, I will also send you the link so that you can click on and join us. Okay? Hallelujah. So I will make sure all of that will take place. All righty. I believe that is it for all of the announcements. This show is brought to you by the Jones Mishpaka out in Nevada, also by the Palmer Family Foundation in California, and also the Bullock Family Foundation in Arizona, and by SALT, Sisters Abiding in Light and Truth. All right. Let's go over what we discussed yesterday. A lot of people wrote and emailed me and said, thank you so much for bringing such clarity pertaining to, uh, number one, pertaining to, uh, wow, to to April Fool's Day and also pertaining to what we call uh, St. Patrick's Day and how that is linked up. To, uh, to to how people celebrate uh, the, the New Year's and things of that nature. I'll go over some of the notes with you briefly, and then we will go on into our lesson on today. I had uh, discussed with you that I will discuss, uh, discuss more of Kodash and Kadash, uh, and you would never see... Uh, Kodash or uh, Kadash Yarak anywhere in the scriptures, nor you will see Yarak Kadash anywhere. I'm going to show you some verses in which you will see the moon, the Yaharak. Okay, so I will be um, speaking to you pertaining to that. I'm also going to talk to you today about how they came up with the names of the month, as well as the uh, the day, um, you know, the names of the days. 
also they had did uh, a lot of things when it comes to the pagan influence on keeping the track of time. Um, they have tampered with it. They have misconstrued it and want everybody to pay attention to the moon. Uh, and when you pay attention to the moon, to the solar only, what happens is that you're going to be days off. Okay. Um, I read this from a particular tablet um, that is um, in the British Museum. It is called the Epic of Creation, tablet number five. It's still there, and this is what it says. He made the crescent moon appear and trust night to it and designated the jewel of the night to mark out the days. Go forth every month without failing the corona. Please, I'm not trying to go there with that. At the beginning of the month, the glow over the land. You shine with horns to mark out six days, and on the seventh, the crown in half. The crown is half. The 15th day shall always be the midpoint, the half of each month. When Shamash looks at you from the horizon, gradually shed your visibility and begin to wane. Always bring the day of disappearance close to the path of Shamash. Did you get that? Shamash in the Hebrew means the sun. Yarak or Yarak means the moon. On, on the 13th day, the year is always equalized. For Shemesh is responsible for the year. I wonder how did they know all of this. A sign shall appear, sweep along its path, then always approach the sun and judge the case. The reason why I read it, and of course we know in this instance there is a people that worship the sun, they knew how the timetable of Yahuwah and his creation, how it operated. The ancient, see, uh, the ancient Samaritan text says that the Shamash, or the sun, equalizes the year on the 30th day of the solar month. It also noticed and identified the 31st day of the solar month. That's the season change day, or we call it the takufa in the Hebrew. I'm going to go over that in just a moment. The word takufa, okay? I'm going to sh um, show you in Scripture where takufa is, just in case you think I'm making things up. The, the word, the Hebrew word takufa is in the Scriptures. So it talks about how this star called Ajinib, which is the sign, sweeps along the sun's path just before sunrise on the New Year Day or on the day of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so it is accurately written there. The Samarians were very powerful astrologers. Uh, 
when they studied the stars and the moon and things of that nature, when they studied constellations, they were very accurate. If you go ahead and, um, you know, you've been to a museum, uh, you'll see a lot of artifacts by the Sumerians, S-U-M-E-R-I-A-N-S. So they always knew that the fourth star will come in just before the sunrise to let everybody know that the spring equinox. Now, I want to talk to you about the difference between equinox and equilux. Uh, That will give you some clarity uh, before we go into the paganism. People pay attention to the equilux. The equilux, brothers and sisters, is when the exact day of when there's 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. Um, we, We know that in times past, they did not use the measurement of time as hours. They would say different parts. We're going to talk about that with what Yahusha said about are there 12 hours in the day. He would not have used the word hours because hours was not, quote, unquote, a measure of time back then. All right. So when we talk about the difference between the equinox and the equal, the equinox, the equal, the equilux and the equinox, forgive me, uh, there is a three-day difference, okay, between the equilux and the equinox. So everybody said, okay, brother, hold on, I got a question. What is the difference? The equilux happened on March 17th. Oh, wow, some people got their hand raised. Hey, that's when people was going around saying that it was the new moon. Okay? That's the equilux. The equilux, once again, is when day and night, the timing is equal. And it's always going to happen a few days before the spring equilux and a few days before the fall equinox. So you talk about the equilux. The equilux, once again, is when day and night are equal in time. And it occurs always a few days prior, usually three, before the spring or the abib equinox. And a few days probably after the fall equinox. Okay, but we pay more attention to the spring one because we want to know when the new year comes in, right? So the new year does not come in at the spring equinox. The new year or the Rosh Hashanah starts at the spring equinox. It is the truth. You can read it in the book of Enoch or Hanak. We're going to read that in just a moment, in which you'll be able to see the same time of day as it is night, and then it goes into the new year. Okay? So that brings clarity to there. I, I love Scripture because Scripture brings clarity. 
So you have the pagans who pay some attention to the equal lux, and you have other pagan worshipers who knew to pay attention to the equinox, like the Sumerians. That's what they did, and they were accurate in that aspect. Okay? Back to some more uh, things that we discussed on yesterday. We spoke about how the timetable of Yahweh was practiced by Noah, by Abraham, and Beyeku. I want to read to you from Barashit. I want you to really, really get your thinking caps on and really begin to look and see how was time kept by Noah or by Noah. Okay? This is very important for us to really take a look at because a lot of people are claiming, hey, how could Noah understand when was the day, when was the time? How was he able to know that? So we're going to take a look at that, and you're going to be able to see, okay, this is how they were able to track time. Let's look first and foremost, okay? Let's look at the book about a sheet. Let's go back there because there are a couple of things that we should look at. Let's look first and foremost. Let's look at Barashit chapter 7. Now we're going to piece this together and we're going to try to make sense of all of this. Okay? I want you to first look at Barashit chapter 7. I'm going to bring up some uh, particular uh, witnesses of evidence to prove the point as to what did Noah use to keep track of time. Okay, was it the sun or was it the moon? Let's look at verse number 24. We're going to point out one verse, and then we're going to go into chapter 8. Barashit chapter 7, verse 24 says, In the waters prevailed upon Haaretz, upon the earth, for 150 days. Keep that in mind. If you do the math, how many months is that? Five months, right? Okay. Keep that in mind. Let's go to Barashit chapter 8. Let's start from the top. And Elohim remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the container or in the ark. The Hebrew word is the tabah. And Elohim made a wind to pass over the earth. And the waters assaged. The uh, Hebrew word there is shakak, which means to weave or to abate the flood. Verse 2 says, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of Shamahim were stopped, and the rain from Shamahim was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, 
And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Haharat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. And the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Now, here's the question here, okay? It said that the waters were baited, and it took, what, 150 days, right? That's what we read. Okay. I want you to be able to find out how Noah was able to keep the track of time. Number one, how was Noah able to keep the time of day if he could not see the moon? Remember, they were sealed in the container for 150 days. As we read there, we read that they were in there much longer than that uh, for a grand total of one year. How was he able to keep track of that? Well, let's see when Noah started counting. Go to Barashit chapter 7. Verse 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of Shamahim were open. And the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. It doesn't mean... That, number one, when he went into the container, that it just started raining. It let us know before that took place that there were fountains that were bursting out of the earth. And then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay? Then we read, down in the last verse, that the waters prevailed for 150 days. So we read from the 17th day of the second month, that's when Noah and his family was in the container, right? That's what we read. We read when Noah was 600 years old, that's when everything started taking place, when the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of Shamahim were open. Okay? And then that uh, you read later on in verse 24, that the waters prevail for 150 days. So you do the math. You're talking about the second day, 17th, the second month, 17th day. Then you read in verse 8, you read that the ark rested, in verse 4, the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month upon the mountain of Haraat. Question, brothers and sisters, was Noah able to keep track of time of day based on the moon? Absolutely not, because there were times in which you would not see a moon. They called that the new moon, when there's no moon out there, Okay. You have your crescent, you have your quarter moon, your half moon, 
Then you have your full moon, and then they call new moon when it does not appear. Right? Okay. So, therefore, Noah was not able to determine that. And we read according to scripture, remember, from the book of Jubilees, that the lunar calendar or the moon calendar is short by 10 days. So if you was to really do the measurement, the counting would have been off by about two to three days. And therefore, the lunar calendar would have been off. Noah would not have been able to use that. Secondly, when the sun comes out, no matter where you are at in whatever building whatsoever, the sun is going to come through because it's the greater light. And that's how Noah was able to count the days. Hallelujah. All right. So you would not have been able to keep up with that based on the moon. That's pure logic and common sense on that part. I just wanted to show you that. So how did these Gentiles and the Greeks and the Babylonians, how was they able to come up with this, uh, this moon theory? Well, Masha kept with the sun, so did Daoud and David and all of Yashariel. And this was taught even through the second period of the temple under Ezra, the scribe, in Nakam uh, Yahu or Neonima. It was the official timetable of the nation of Yashariel until the second century BCE when King Antichus Epiphanes IV of Macedonia ended the use of the timetable of Yahweh and creation. And he forced the sons of Eber, which is the Hebrew people, to observe the lunar calendar. This is what most people practice today. Now here's my disclaimer for those of you who are listening to today's show and you still uh, keep the lunar calendar. Okay, if you keep the lunar calendar for your purposes, okay. That's perfectly fine, but you cannot keep the lunar calendar for Shabbat, for appointed feast. You can't use it whatsoever. Here's the evidence. We went to Yubalim. We went to Jubilees. Remember, chapter 2. People will say, well, why are you using the book of Jubilees? That's, that's in the Apocrypha, and, and therefore you can't use that. Apocrypha means the hidden scriptures, okay, things that are hidden. The Roman Catholic Church would keep this under their rule, and it was part of their Bibles or their Bible at one point or another. As they went on ahead and canonized it later on, they removed the Book of Jubilees. It was also found in the Quran. Case, or we call it the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yobelim, Jubilees chapter number two, verse number nine, clearly states in Elohim appointed the Shemesh, the sun, 
to be a great sign on the earth. I want I want to stop for one minute. Because you probably is wondering, okay, brother, at the beginning you read about this tablet, and it sounded like these uh, Sumerian guys worship the sun, and they did, and they named the sun god Shamash. That's what the Babylonians did as well. Type of S H E M E S H, Babylonian god, and they worship the sun. Okay to the point that they would name him after the Hebrew the Hebrew word for the sun. They worshipped him as Shamash. Isn't that something? So they would hear these Abiyim or these Hebrews yelling out, you know, unto Yahweh for the Shamash. And so people were saying, oh, they calling on Shamash. When they were really calling upon Yahweh, on behalf of the sun. So they were not worshiping the sun because you are commanded not to. We're going to read that in a moment in the book of Debarim or Deuteronomy. But rather, people, they observed, and it's okay for you to observe and check what the sun, moon, and the stars are doing. You are to observe. If that wasn't the case, well, why would Yahweh? tell Abraham to do it in Barashi chapter 15. And that was accounted unto him for righteousness. Hmm. Okay. Elohim appointed the Shemesh, the sun, to be a great sign on the earth for days and for Shabuot, which is Sabbath, and for Kadashim, which is new months, not new moon, and the stars, Let me go to this part. Okay, he appointed the sun to be a great sign on the earth for days, for Shabbats, for months, and for Chag, and for feast, and for what? Shana, and for years, and for Shabbat of years, and for Yubelim, Jubilees, and for all seasons of the earth, all the seasons of the world, um, all the seasons of the years. They have to relate to the sun. The sun appointed, um, Elohim appointed the sun to be a great sign for days, for Shabbats, for months, for feasts, for years. Not the moon. The moon cannot dictate days or Shabbats. So for those of you who keep the lunar Shabbat, you are off. You are making a set-apart day an abomination. You make it an abomination day a set-apart day. You, you're going to be off, and then you're going to be confused, and you're going to, uh, you know, you know, you're going to start using calculations and things like that, just like the Greeks did to try to make sense of it. When it's very crystal clear that Yahuwah appointed the sun to do these things. Verse 10, and it divides the light from the darkness and for prosperity, that all things may prosper with shoot and grow on the earth. So it's the sun that makes things grow. Even we as humans, we receive uh, vitamin D from the sun. All right. 
the new moon calendar was the official calendar of the Greeks. And when Alexander the Great conquered the Middle East in the 4th century BCE, the lunar calendar was introduced. You have, to stand, you have to understand these culture vultures and where they got that idea from. They stole it from the Babylonians, okay, like they steal everything else, and was gradually accepted by most of the people except for the children of Yahweh. In 172 BCE, King Antichus appointed a man by the name of Menelius as Yerushalayim's high priest to introduce the Greek way of educating the white, um, the uh, the young people, and to completely Hellenize the Hebrew people. What is Hellenization? Do anybody know? Is forcing Greek culture, religion, and ways of life upon other nations. That's what the Greeks did. They Hellenized all these nations. By the time Yahusha was born and was walking upon the earth, Yahuda or Judah was Hellenized. Many of the people of Yahuda were speaking Greek at that time. And there were some people who still spoke Aramaic. That was the language of that time that they had got from Syria. All right, hallelujah. It was still a, uh, if, if people want to use a proto Canaanite type of tongue, it still had a Yaudit type of tongue. It still was connected to the Hebrew, if you want to say that. It was more moderate. Okay. He also sent a senator from Athens to give the people of Yahuda an ultimatum to forsake the Torah of their Elohim Yahweh and follow the king's orders or they will be put to death. So most of the people of Yahuda followed the king's orders to save their mishpaka, their families, and many were put to death. King Antichus forced the people of Yahuda to celebrate what they call the birthday of the month. Every month at the time, listen, of the moon's first visibility. Now you may, I've seen people go to other writings of the Apocrypha, and they will say, hey, wait a minute. It talks about the moon right here. You have to understand that there were some people who came from Babylon who still were keeping the, the lunar timetable of the Babylonians. But that's not the case when it comes to Ezra and Nehemiah. These particular individuals still kept the true timetable of creation. Remember we talked about a particular, um, you know, this king, King Antichus, who was representing the anti-Mashiach or the Antichrist, okay? And we read something from the book of Daniel. Um, also, I don't want to forget this because, I, you know, this is for the people who missed um, the teaching on, um, I believe it was on Saturday. I want to make clear to you this, that there is a festival that is always done around March 17th, it is called the Mardi Gras, okay? 
So Mardi Gras has the what they call the Banacus Parade, the Dionysus or the Banacus Festival is to worship the pagan gods. They had to change the date of the celebration because people kept Ash Wednesday, and they also would name this New Year's Day. Now, for those of you who are wondering what's going on with April Fool's, uh, I did a teaching on that a couple of years ago, and people who was trying to keep the timetable of Yahweh, people was being called fools. And so the first month following, um, you know, coming into the new year, they would say April Fools to them. And that's how that came into play. For you people to say that in the middle of March, or around March 20th, is the beginning of the new year, you are fools, April Fool's Day. So that's how they came up with that. Um, they will play pranks on individuals who kept the timetable correctly. Okay, they will play pranks. They will do cruel things to them. You can look up the history. It's, 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 it's you know, it's very startling. So while other, so while the Gentiles and the heathens starts it on January the 1st, which is in the date of winter, which goes totally against Yahuwah's creation. If you read the book of Hanak, if you read all through scripture, and this is why people are thrown off as to when the birth of the Mashiach is, et cetera, et cetera, or when to keep the, uh, you know, the Peshach, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, et cetera, et cetera because they always added up to the Gregorian calendar of the Jesuits. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, when when they keep track that way, they're going to be lost. Now, we now we could say, okay, well, wait a minute. Brother Wade, can we possibly say that, okay, why do you announce at the beginning of your show, this is this date, according to the Gregorian, and this is the date uh, that Yahuwah wants us to? It's so that, because people are so relatable to the Gregorian calendar, that I'm able to relate to you also what is the day according to Yahuwah's timetable of creation. So that way you could be on the right path. So that way you can say, oh, it's the uh, eighth day or the 15th day. Okay, here comes the Shabbat or here comes. So people will be able to keep up with Yahuwah's, you know, with how Yahuwah wants us to keep time, not according to what man does. So now people will say, now, wait a minute, brother, can we keep the hours you know, hey, it's, uh, right now it's, it's 12.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Is Yahuwah telling us to get rid of that too? The book of Daniel says that man, uh, these Gentiles, would what? Would change Torah and the times. They are heading, number one, they want to 
disturb the instructions and teachings of Yahweh. And number two, they are out to disturb his timetable. So that way you won't be able to keep up with the appointed feast or the Shabbats accurately. We, we have to understand the true agenda and the motive. It wasn't so that people can keep time easily and it could be, you know, uh, you know, observed by all. But Yahuwah never changed anything. Everything was perfect from the beginning. So why would man come in and alter it? They usually do, right? So St. Patrick's Day is also tied up with the Banticus Parade. And this is why you see green hats, green food, green drinks, uh, leprechauns. Uh, four-leaf clover is all worshiping Baal, uh, or or you if you want to say God or God, their God, their uh, you know their deity of good luck and fortune. You can look that up. Strong's Concordance, fourteen oh eight. Antichrist took away the freedom and the liberty of the people of Yahudah from worshiping Yahweh, and he forced him to honor Gad, or Zeus, and his son, Banticus. This happened in exactly 350 years, as the book of Daniel stated. Let's look at it. Daniel chapter 7. Now, a lot of people are unable to... uh, to, to really understand the book of Daniel. Daniel was so prophetic as far as the uh, eschatology is concerned, the study of the end of days. Uh, he was startled by these visions, and you know he fasted and seeked wisdom from Yahweh in order to find out what Yahweh was showing him. The book of Daniel, which means uh, one who judges, uh, from the uh, from the Most High, okay, or from the Almighty. Uh, the Book of Daniel, chapter seven. I want to bring clarity to this, and then that way you could do more study and research on this. Read verse twenty-five. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. Uh, the Hebrew word there is the uh, Supreme Elohim. You may see the Chasidian uh, word Elahi. Or people say Elohim. You see, that's the Most High. It is the Supreme Elohim. You have to understand that in the middle of the book of Daniel, they faded away from the ancient Hebrew speaking into, you know, the Hebrew speaking tongue more into the Chasidian type of lingo, which we see here. He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the Kadashim or the Kaddish. That's Chasidian as well the Kaddish, or the Kaddisham, okay, the set-apart ones, of the Most High, of the El Elyon. 
and to think to change times and Torah, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times in the dividing of time. Let's break this down for one moment. Because you have to understand Jubilee timing to understand this. When does a Jubilee occur? Do anybody know? Okay. When you talk about the time, you're talking about 100 years. That's the time. Uh, when you talk about times, you're talking about 200, and you talk about half a time. That's 50. Okay? So you're really talking about seven jubilees when you think about 350, because it takes what? How many amount of years? It takes for a jubilee to take place. Maybe we need to go back to uh, Leviticus chapter 25. Let's go there for one moment because I don't want to leave you without any pieces of evidence. Uyaikra chapter 25. It teaches us about the Shabbat year. Okay? It talks about six years you share what? Sow into the field. But the seventh year, we're supposed to allow rest to be upon the land. This is pertaining, brothers and sisters, not in America, not in the United States of America or wherever you are at. It is pertaining to the land of Yashariel. Okay, Yahuwah is giving them instructions as to what to do once they get there. Okay, hallelujah. What determines the years? The moon? No, it is the sun. Verse 8 of Leviticus chapter 25. And you shall number seven Shabbats of years unto you. Seven times seven. Okay? It tells you that right there in the scripture. And you shall number seven Shabbats of years unto you. Seven times seven years. In the space of the seven Shabbat of Shana shall be unto you 49 years. So Yahuwah did the math for us. Hallelujah, Yahuwah. Seven times seven years. That's what seven Shabbat of years is, or the space of seven Shabbat of years. That's 49 years. And then you shall cause the shofar of the Yobelim, or the Jubilee, which is called the the Taruah, to sound on the 10th day of the 7th month. Question, what is that? The Yom Kippur, right? The Day of Atonement. It says it also there in the scripture. Then you shall cause the shofar, the Taruah, to sound on the 10th day of the 7th Kodesh and the Day of Atonement, you shall make the shofar sound throughout all your land. And you shall, what, sanctify, or you shall, what, kodash, set apart the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a yobel unto you. And you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. This is when the indentured servant when their time was up with their master. 
Okay, hallelujah. You have to understand how they did it back then. The particular servant or indentured servant was paying off his debt, and they were treated like family. When the debt was completed, then they was released. And then it also talks about in Torah what will happen if the indentured servant wants to stay with that family. Hallelujah. Okay, so you have to read more about that. But the 50th year was when there was no debt, everything was let go, you was not to oppress one another, and everybody was free. Everything was released. Hallelujah. Okay, I wonder why the Jews don't do this with their banking system. That's just something to ponder on. All right, so you see the Jubilee. 50 years. Every 50 years is a jubilee. So when you see times or time, time is 100 years. So time and times, that's 100 plus 200, that's 300 and half a time. That's the jubilee. That's 50. So it was 350 years. Okay? Keep that in mind. When you read that this particular individual was going to have his foot on the throat of Yahudah for time and times and the dividing of times. Since you are in Daniel, let's go to chapter 12. I'm just bringing some clarity here, and then we're going to shift over uh, quickly into what um, the Jesuits did, and then we're going to end today's lesson. And then you have to come in on tomorrow so you can get some more instruction about uh, what they were doing then. Daniel, chapter 12, verse 7. And I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand in his left hand unto Shamahim, and swore by him that lives forever, that it shall be for a time Times and a half, when he have when he shall have accomplished the the what to shatter the power of the Kadushan people and to put an end to it. Okay, it says in other versions, like the ISR, for instance, it says this that it will be for a time, times and half a time, and when they have done or when they have um, ended scattering the power of the set-apart people, then all these things shall be completed. Let me look up another version. Here's one with more accurate Hebrew um, reading. And when I et... When I heard it, the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto Shamahim, and swore by him that lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the Kadashim, all these things shall be finished. All right. That's powerful there. Since we are in Daniel chapter 12, go down 
to verse 11. This is very key. Verse 11 says this. And from the time that the Tamid shall be taken away and the abomination that makes desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. I want you to keep that in mind. But you go your way to the envy, for you shall rest and stand in your lot at the end of the days. Okay? Very key. Antichrist Epiphanes died 1,335 days after he dedicated the temple to Zeus, and exactly 1,290 days after he sacrificed swine on the altar of Yahuwah. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute because people get the misconception about the daily sacrifice, the tamid. Okay? It doesn't mean daily. Tamid means there's a continuance. There's something that's happening perpetually, and that's going to be taken away. And the abomination that makes desolate set up. So on tomorrow, we're going to talk about that word tamid, because people don't understand. If you read it from your book, you should see an italicized the word sacrifice. Do you see that italicized in your book? If you do, that means that it was added in. Whatever it was, it was added in. One more time, it lets us know that this was added in anything that's italicized it means it was not originally written but they added that in let me give you some piece of evidence especially when it comes to the king james version of the holy bible quote unquote this is what it says now i got this from a particular Encyclopedia. This is what is written. According to how they wrote it, final differences of opinion were settled at a general meeting of each company. In case of special difficulty, learned men outside the board of revisers were consulted. Marginal notes were used only to explain Hebrew and Greek words to draw attention to parallel passages. Listen closely. Italics were used for words not found in the original, but necessary to complete the sense. I'm going to read that again. 
italics, or when they italicized, it was used for words not found in the original, but necessary to complete the sense. So since they did not know what tamid actually meant, they added the word sacrifice because they might have a they might have thought it and they they wrote that out of ignorance or they was trying to change the topic by adding sacrifice. We're going to find out tomorrow what they were actually doing. So he's trying to say that the daily sacrifice will be taken away. That's not what tamid actually means. We're going to talk about that on tomorrow. All right. Finally, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, and and I think I should save it for tomorrow, uh, when we talk about what the Jesuits did. I, I, I think I'm going to save that for tomorrow. We're going to talk about two men who changed the face of time, two men who deceived the whole world, Constantine the first. He had some type of agenda, not just to create Christianity. He did something else that was even worse that brought such a mass deception upon the earth. And who was Haliel II? Who was this particular individual? And what did he do? And finally, what did the Jesuits do to alter with the timetable? We'll be discussing all of that on tomorrow's show. I also want to bring to you teachings pertaining to Kodush. So please forgive me because I want to do that thoroughly. We'll take a part of uh, tomorrow. We'll do the first part of tomorrow's teaching to talk about Kodush, and then we'll talk about Constantine, Hillel II, and finally the Jesuits so that you will understand the pagan deception when it comes to the calendar, okay? And we're going to look at this great, huge Greek new moon influence that has been all around us this entire time. All right? Please forgive me. I went overboard by about 15 minutes, but I pray all is well. This has been another Talk, Teach, and Testify Instruction Please join me on tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. If you are on the West Coast, it starts at 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and I will conclude our teaching pertaining to this. I might bring a bonus teaching as well, so please stay tuned tomorrow, and I'll let you know whether or not I would do it or not. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, we're going to be doing not only our teaching through Blog Talk Radio, but also through our Zoom webinar. I, I can't wait for that. So tomorrow I will announce to you when we're going to do the Zoom practice seminar um, so that I will bring forth some instructions. It might be from, you know, today's lesson or tomorrow's lesson, and I'll be able to show you what I have, the documents that I have available, so you'll be able to follow me, Okay. Uh, those of you who are making Teflon to Yahweh, uh, for me, Tuda unto you, um, and Barakatah, um, Barakah Haba Hashem, Yahweh Eloha, 
Baruch be the name of our supreme Elohim, whose name is Yahweh. And we thank Yahweh so much for his only begotten son, Yahusha HaMashiach, who sits at the right hand of our master and our creator. Shalom and Shabbat Shalom. I hope to see you on tomorrow. And please don't forget, if you would like to watch the particular teaching this weekend, please email me at talkteachtestify at gmail.com. Um, plus, I have a special announcement tomorrow pertaining to immersings. Um, I did not want to leak that out today. Um, I will do that on tomorrow as well as what are we going to do as far as um, congregational services is concerned. I will announce all of that on tomorrow. All right? Shalom, everyone, and shalom.